0: basketball report podcast. It is Thursday, July 9th, 2020. And we have a whole lot of really unfortunate coronavirus news to discuss with you. So we will get into all of that shortly. I am your host for this episode, Sam Klein. I am joined as always by Donald Wine. Donald, how are you, bud?
1: I'm doing okay. I actually want to start by thanking one of our listeners, uh, Joseph Reed, uh, who is a longtime listener, has commented a lot on some of our posts. He wanted to thank us and so well, he wants to thank me i don't know about you guys but he ended up sending me a copy of his latest book and i just got it yesterday so i just want to shout out joseph reed for uh the wonderful gift i appreciate this once things calm down a little bit in my Wait, life dude, uh,
2: dude tell us the title of the book give him a little shout out Come i'm sorry on, the
1: title is departure is apparently part of a a series is the third book in this series and it comes out on August 11th, which I knew because it's on the cover. Ooh, you got so that advance copy! I got that advance copy. He hooked me up, so I appreciate it, Joseph. Uh, I look forward to reading it. And for all you out there, if you're interested, uh, "Departure" by Joseph Reed.
0: Check it out. All right, very cool. And Jason Evans is also here. Jason, have you gotten any gifts from listeners
2: recently? I have not. People hit me up. I need the swag. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, as I said, this episode is going to be entirely devoted to coronavirus-related news, which has as touched on athletic departments across the country. We could start in a, a few different places. The biggest news I think is the Ivy League announcing that they are canceling all their sports through the end of the year. Stanford University, one of the one of the wealthiest schools in all the country and and probably the most successful athletic program. At least in the last few decades. Stanford announced that they are cutting 11 sports programs. UNC and Ohio State both announced that they are shutting down various parts of their athletic facilities because they've had so many students come back with coronavirus. They've tested positive, so now they're not able to engage in summer activities to prepare for fall sports. All of it is kind of coming as an avalanche while, meanwhile, the, you know, in Across pro sports, there are there are a variety of issues that are popping up with the leagues that are restarting. So I wanted us to kind of get together and talk about every single one of these. And Donald, I'll give it to you first. Tell me which one you think is sort of has the most impact or is affecting you the most, and uh, and let's just go with it.
1: To start, there's also the news that just is coming down this morning about how the ACC is suspending all events all all athletic events until September 1st which doesn't necessarily affect college football because college football that's right around Labor Day weekend and that's usually when college football starts but it does affect you know sports like field hockey cross country men's and women's soccer who do start in the you know middle to late portion of August with exhibition games and regular season games and normally duke's duke's at academic calendar the way it usually works is that
0: duke is is in session for the week leading up to Labor Day, and then then Labor Day weekend would be the first football game. But yeah, as you said, the first athletic events for some teams like field hockey may occur during that first week of class or even before at the end of freshman orientation.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot I want to talk about all of these. I'm going to start first with the Ivy League because I feel like the Ivy League is doing what they did back in March, and that's leading. They were the first ones to shut down everything when this pandemic started they're the first ones to cancel fall sports it's it's almost like they're smart it's almost like we you know there's a bunch of institutions who know what they're doing i mean harvard has already said that they are not having any in-person classes for the entire academic year so if that's the case then that means there's no really uh there's no reason for them to be involved on campus with on-campus sports now take that and extrapolating that there's a few issues that I think are really important to deal with here and that will lead me to my point. One there's a lot of foreign students who compete intercollegiately here in the United States especially in the Ivy Leagues. With the new rule that if they're not in class they have to go home that means a lot of guys are in the flux as to whether or not they can even stay in the United States for the calendar year. That's just you know just that fact take the politics out of it There are a lot of athletes right now who are not sure if they can even go to school at the school that they have, you know, said that they're going to go to or the ones that they have been at for two, three, four years. Now, you also have that. You have the coronavirus cases at UNC and Ohio State. UNC had 37 cases on their football team alone. 37! That's a third of the team. And that's not counting the rest of the athletic department. That's not counting Ohio State, who's shut down. And those aren't the only two. Those aren't the first two, and they aren't going to be the last. All this leads me to be saying is what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> like this is out of control. Like I am surprised that the ACC stopped at just September 1st. And I know it's because of football, but at the at the same time I feel like at the very least they should have been saying guys we're only playing conference games. There's no need for teams to be traveling at this point. We don't know how far this this new iteration of the first wave of coronavirus is going to go. We've seen it go up and up. We're over 3 million cases. In some of these places that we, you know, these hot spots, we have to deal with. Florida is the center of the coronavirus pandemic. And we have two teams that reside there. And those guys can't go outside. So those things, there's a lot to talk about. Jason, I want to go to you because I know you have some things about Stanford, but I think you have something on this as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get to the Stanford in half a second. But I wanted to mention, you talk about the schools having, having um, you know, a number of athletes test test positive and, and, and how they're shutting things down. You know, one of the things about this that makes it so difficult is uh, the day after UNC announced they had 37 positive tests, as you mentioned, NC state came out and announced that only five athletes, five out of 315 less than 2% of the NC state athletes who returned to school tested positive. So here we have two schools that are separated by, you know, a dozen or so miles. I don't know the exact distance, but it's like next to nothing. And they're they're looking at completely opposite results. You know, at NC State, they're going, hey, you know, it looks like we we don't have clusters of this cropping up. It looks like things are under control, and and our athletes are going to continue working out and um, uh, you know, and progressing toward playing games. And at UNC, it's the exact opposite, and they've got it cropping up all over the football team, and they don't know what they're going to do, and they're shutting things down. And again, that's two schools that are basically on top of each other. I don't know how on a wide basis we are able to put together a, a, you know, a sporting athletic competition, league, whatever you want to call it, when we have these kind of disparate results, because the schools that are doing fine, like NC State, I don't think anyone knows what magic NC State performed to have that happen. It may have just been pure luck. But... You know, how are we able to keep them away from the schools that are having problems? It's just, it's a nightmare. And, and the ACC said, yeah, we're canceling things until the, the, uh, until September 1st. But I agree with you, Donald, there's almost no question that this cancellation is going to go well beyond that. All right, let me, let me move, if I can, really quick um, to the Stanford situation, which I think in the grand scheme of things may be the, the more significant um, development. Stanford announced, as Sam said, that they are dropping eleven varsity programs um, uh, after this year. Uh, they said after the 2021 season ends, but the reality is, I think most of those programs very well may not play at all during 2021. You know, as we as we as we've been discussing, um, Stanford had, uh, I, I believe, either the most or the second most number of varsity programs of anyone out there. I, I think Ohio State has more, and Stanford has the second most. Um, So Stanford dropping those programs doesn't mean that Stanford suddenly is not going to have a large active uh, number of varsity programs. Stanford now has 25 varsity sports. Duke only has 21. So Stanford still has more than most other schools. What's significant here is Stanford is the gold standard, especially when it comes to these Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports. For them to be cutting back on sports programs is going to sort of provide cover. It's going to provide an excuse for lots of other schools to do the same thing. The sports that Stanford eliminated, men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, um, sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. Those are the sports they got rid of. Uh, and, and there probably aren't a ton of schools that participate in those sports.
0: But Jason, there are a handful of those Sports that you mentioned, like wrestling and field hockey, are sports that Duke also participates in. So this is not this is not like it is only in one corner of the country or something. These are wrestling is a national
2: sport. Yes, yes, and the point I was going to make was this this could be the 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 tipping point that begins to have other schools also eliminate those sports. I I read an interesting stat in human terms at Stanford, twenty two coaches and two hundred and forty students just had. Their, their careers, their scholarships ripped out from the gone 240 students were playing those sports. They're not going to have a varsity sport that they play anymore. Think about if you're someone who was a wrestler who has been recruited by Stanford right now, and you were thinking, Oh, this is my, this is the way I'm going to get into Stanford. I'm going to go to Stanford and compete at the highest level for one of the best wrestling programs in the country, or you're a men's volleyballer, or you're a sailor or you're a fencer or you squash, whatever it may be. And suddenly Stanford, says, nope, sorry, no more. I mean, the impact of this is really significant, especially because I think Stanford is going to pave the way for a lot of other schools to also cut athletic budgets because they are all being decimated by football not happening. And I think everyone agrees football is probably not going to happen now. And it's going to have ripple waves throughout the entire universe of college sports.
1: So that point right there leads into what I think is the biggest point in all this, the financials, the stability. Stanford is the most stable athletic department in America. Every single scholarship of every single team is endowed and has been endowed for a long time. No other school has that. For them to cut a third of their programs and a third of those scholarships and a third of that money, that means that their financial, they're worried so much about their financials that they decided that gutting a third of their athletic department was the way to stay afloat. In the most diet sti- in the most stable of financial situations, they're the ones that are cutting, and that should terrify every other athletic department around the country. Because if Stanford's in trouble, then the rest of the t- rest of them are like you said, Jason, are going to have that opportunity to say, "Well, we should just go ahead and start cutting things too," because we're gonna if they're if they're showing trouble, then we're gonna be we're not gonna be very far behind them.
0: And the Pac twelve is behind the rest of the Power Five in terms of TV revenue that they get from football. But they are expected they are expected to renegotiate. I think their deal is up in the next couple of years. They have money coming from football. It, it is it is on its way and they would have to basically ride this out for a couple of years. This year obviously will be awful with the the pandemic canceling all kinds of things and, and probably ruining uh, university fundraising for a year or two. But presumably, you know the leadership at Stanford can look ahead five years and say, we're going to have much more TV revenue presumably there'll be renewed interest in college sports and we should be able to support these programs. And like Donald said, a lot of them are already in doubt anyway, and they still said, we're not going to be able to, to come up with the money for it, or we can't justify it. And I think that's another interesting part of this is that the decisions that individual schools or individual conferences make are going to show you which ones really value having athletics as part of their overall university undergraduate programming. One thing that, 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 we don't really talk about much in terms of uh, college athletics effect on the rest of the student body is that the students who are on those teams take up a certain number of seats in the class. And especially at smaller private schools like Duke, like the Ivy Leagues, like Stanford, those schools actually dedicate a pretty significant percentage of their undergraduate student body to college athletes. And and even at you know at schools like Ohio State and Michigan, they have many programs, but they also have tons of undergraduate students. Ohio State probably has what 10 or 12,000 undergrads per class.
1: It's over 60,000 total and Texas is
0: like 70, 75,000. So, at these smaller private schools, the the athletics make up a huge part of that student body and university presidents are not just looking at revenues from from football right? Or, or the TV revenues. They're looking across the whole undergraduate experience and trying to balance. Does it make sense for us to have a wrestling team and a field hockey team and take up that many seats in the class for those students? All these schools to this point, pretty much every every top school to this point, minus say University of Chicago and MIT have decided, yep, this is, this is the best way for us to build a student body. Stanford, Harvard, Princeton, Duke, Northwestern, all these schools say that having a robust amount of, of college athletes is a good way to, to build a diverse and, and, and useful student body. And now that calculus appears to be changing. And at Stanford, where, as we said, athletics is probably more important at Stanford and is more prominent at Stanford than it is at, at any other school if you look across the whole program. So that's also going to be something where listen to the way athletic directors and and in particular university presidents make these announcements. If they are cutting programs, suspending them, anything like that, listen to the way that they talk about it because you'll hear, you'll learn a lot about what the school and their, their individual boards of trustees and, and their leadership think about the impact that athletics has on the rest of the university. And then Donald also brought up something else that, that is uh, personally, I think, is is pretty tragic for these schools is the decision to to have international students not come back this year if the schools are going online. I don't want to get too deep into the sort of political back and forth that's going on in it, but that also has a huge effect on the the amount of money that schools are bringing in and, and whether they can support things like athletics. We know that Every school handles the financial component of athletics a little differently, depending on you know, how they send scholarship money back and forth, does, the, does money from athletics get go back into the general university pool, how do they handle fundraising? Every school manages this a little bit differently. Again, you'll see the way that, that schools react to, to the pandemic and having to cut programs and see the way that they value athletics in terms of the rest of the university.
2: And the last thing on the Olympic sports, and then I know we want to talk a little bit more about football, but 56, the number right now is 56 varsity programs across Division I have been already canceled. Sorry, canceled is the wrong word, killed. 56 sports have gone away so far across a wide variety of different schools and sports. Stanford just was the latest one to add 11 more sports to that total, bringing it to 56. I, I, I really wonder once you know once we hit the fall and the winter i wonder what that number is i'm betting it's more like 250 it may be 500 it could be it could be we see 1000 sports teams go away across all of division 1 athletics and again it's not go away just for one season it could be mean, meaning that they go away for good or for a long long time because once you've gone without it for a year or 2 years it's a lot harder to restart it back up that's just the reality.
0: By the way, it, while this is all happening, don't forget the, the thing that we love talking about on this program, and that I, I imagine that listeners who c- consume any other college sports media will know: the changes to athlete empowerment and name, image, and likeness only actually make this potentially worse for athletic departments. So we we've talked about this a little bit. How you know there's a we assume that there's a certain size pie of advertising revenue that goes to college sports if the top football and basketball players are able to carve out more of that for themselves, it leaves less for the rest of the university to use for programs like field hockey and wrestling. So that is probably part of Stanford's calculus is, look, we might have to start paying the, the football and basketball players money that previously was going to other programs. And so even if we recover from the pandemic in a year or two, We're still not going to make up in that revenue shortfall because that money is going to be going to a smaller group of individuals. So that that's another part of the calculus here. And I I think that some of our listeners might say, "Who cares? Like I'm I'm only here for Duke basketball. Maybe I'm here for Duke football. Maybe there's another Duke sport that I watch: lacrosse, baseball, one of the other Duke sports that you know, women's golf that that is so prominent." But It has an effect on the rest of the university and it has effect even on the on those big programs because they rely on campus on support from from those other programs to to boost everyone up.
1: Yeah. And and just real quickly, I think when it comes to that, people are failing to see that these kids are students, too. They're part of the university, too. They're part of that experience. I didn't just have classes with just basketball and football players. I had classes with a bunch of athletes and non-athletes alike. They're all a part of what makes Duke and other all these other schools such a more such a well-rounded experience and allowing you to get out of your comfort zone and meet people that you wouldn't normally meet. If you get rid of these programs, some of these people won't have those opportunities, and I think that's unfortunate. But I want to shift to back to football because I think there's a really key component that is going to t- like maybe play itself fall over the next few weeks, and that is in the you know the non-conference schedule, so to speak, where a lot of big schools will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars if not millions of dollars to get teams to come get their butts whipped by them now if i'm a mid-major conference or d1 AA school i'm a player on that team we're already getting eight hundred thousand dollars to go to play let's say florida in florida don't you think the price of the brick is going up at this point? You're gonna gonna tell me that my life is still worth that little 800k that I'm getting because of the pandemic? You wanted me to go into literally into the to the proverbial stuff, and and risk you know getting infected, risk all these things that we didn't have to deal with last year for that same 800k.
2: Donald, yeah, I don't think you're gonna see if there if there is football. It is not going to be the small schools playing the big schools. It's going to be yeah. the big schools. Because the small schools are just going to go, no, we're not doing it. It's too risky. It doesn't make sense. All you're going to see is big schools playing big schools. That's why, I mean, like even I think even the SEC is talking about maybe doing a six or an eight game schedule. They're just going to get rid of all the non conference games. They're just going to try and play each other, and then hopefully maybe figure out a way to have some kind of a bowl or something like that.
0: And meanwhile, in in Tuscaloosa, they're they're having COVID parties. So tell me if you're the chancellor of University of Tennessee or or Kentucky or or Vanderbilt that you want to send your football team down to Tuscaloosa no chance
1: yeah and here's the deal like i'm a soccer guy and i've always been big in in the soccer and u s soccer right now is facing an issue that's off the record but they're facing issue of nobody wants to play us and no one wants to come see us because they understand that in the grand scheme of the world, the U.S. sucks at dealing with this pandemic. Sucks by a lot, right? So when games eventually do resume, they're having a trouble getting opponents. If I'm in Florida, or if I'm in Texas, or if I'm in Arizona, or any of these other hot spots that have gone down, and I, you're, you're sitting there like trying to get somebody for these non-conference games because so many teams are like, I'm not going down there. Because rightfully, they shouldn't. And if they do want to go down there, if they want to risk it, they're like, look, the price of the brick just went up. It, you know, last year it was 800 k for us to come get whooped. Now it's $2 million because we have this extra factor that we have to deal with. If we're talking about that and teams are willing to do that, then it, uh, that, all that ties into what we just talked about with Stanford and all these other schools, getting rid of these non, non-revenue sports. Because really, everything revolves around college football. And if we're still throwing money around like it's water in a pandemic just so we can have some measly football games, then it's not worth it. Like That's not why we're here. And we shouldn't be putting players at risk. We shouldn't be putting students at risk and even the staff and the coaches and everyone who works to put a football game together or any other sporting event to make it run the way it should. They should not be put in harm's way. And as of right now, we're less than eight weeks away from what would be the start of college football season in None of the schools seem to care. They're just trying to sit there and say, well, this thing is probably still going to happen in some form. I think the Ivy League, going back to, to close this all out, the Ivy League is leading once again. They did it in back in March, and they're doing it now. And I think, just like last time, I think the rest of the nation really needs to listen to it.
2: And I'm telling you something. The NBA, so the NBA and Major League Baseball, are are sort of the next big thing on tap, um, with games due to start in just weeks now. And and NBA teams are starting to arrive in Orlando. Baseball teams are working out in their home cities. Uh, we're you know we're going to see uh, can can it work for any of them, or or is sports going to? Is sports just impossible for America at this time in the way that we're dealing with or not dealing with this virus?
1: There will be soccer games this weekend that will have fans in the stands. That's crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy to me. It'd be crazy if you were saying that was October 9th, but it's July 9th, and this weekend one of the leagues in in America is kicking off, and they will have actual fans in the stands. And that seems terrifying to me. As someone who loves going to every sporting event under the sun right now, that seems mind-boggling that this would happen. But here we are.
0: And Donald, I wanted to bring up one more example because you know that I love talking baseball. If you have a few minutes, go Google what the what folks around the Toronto Blue Jays are saying about the possibility of them having to play games and go back and forth over the border between the states and Canada. Nobody's nobody in in Toronto is is thrilled about this possibility. And
1: they have to do a 14 day quarantine. That's with everybody. I mean, Josie Alcidor plays for Toronto FC. He lives in Florida, so he wrote out the pandemic in Florida when he was supposed to go back to practice. Even though he really he technically lives in Toronto, he had to hold up for 14 days, and because of that, he's not playing in in Toronto FC's opening game in the MLS's back tournament. If guys have to do that every single time, they like. Forget it again. Forget
0: it. There's going to be no there. There won't be games. So anyway, keep listening to the Duke Basketball Report podcast because we'll keep bringing you all the all the latest grim news, which is which is what we do here. So I, I think that's all we wanted to touch on this week. Obviously, there wasn't any any real Duke basketball news. So uh, keep listening to the show. We will be back when there is news about Duke or anything related to the program or to college sports that we think is relevant to our listeners. But. I think that's going to do it for us here. So for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I'm Sam Klein. This has been Emergency Episode 216 of the Duke Basketball Report Podcast. Duke Band, take us home and wear your masks.